0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Science and Editing Mashup Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Josh Foster. Josh is a student in the science comm track of the professional writing minor here at UCSB, and he's going to be chatting with us today about science communication with the public. Thanks for being here, Josh.
1: Hey, Maddie. Thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast. (laughs) For all of our listeners, my name is Josh Foster, and I love to write and to learn about science. And that's why I pursued the Science and Communication Writing Minor track. I think it's great that we are having this mashup between the SciComm and editing tracks. Just yesterday, we had a discussion in my class about having a mixer between all of the tracks and maintaining constant dialogue throughout the course of the writing minor between tracks. Hopefully, this will impact future students who take the writing minor, because I think it's really important, and there's a lot of good overlap between science and communication, business communication, editing, journalism, all of that stuff. You can gain very helpful and insightful advice from the other students in those classes, so it's a pleasure to be speaking with you.
0: I totally agree. We should have more um, mashups between the tracks. Um, So before we really dive in, I want to give our listeners a little more context about why I've brought you on today. I know that you're interested in going to med school like me and more specifically orthopedics, right?
1: Yeah, so orthopedics has been very near and dear to my heart from a very young age. So I've had a lot of difficulty with my shoulders in particular, those ball and socket joints have insane amounts of movement. And for me, that movement was a little bit too much for the average person and I dealt with a lot of dislocations. The good news is, is I grew to love the field, and I would talk to my orthopedic surgeons who performed surgeries on me, and they would tell me various different injuries that I had or other cases that they were working on that were were really cool, and I would go home and I would look up the videos and watch those surgeries be played out in real time, and I just extrapolated that to college, and now I work as an orthopedic medical assistant in downtown Santa Barbara. And I hope to use my experience as a patient to help me be the best doctor that I can be. And one of the best ways to be a good doctor is to effectively communicate. And that's why I pursued the science and communication writing minor track.
0: Awesome, Josh. Thanks for that. And I know Josh has told me personally about his time as a a orthopedic MA, and he's really passionate about it, genuinely. So that's really cool to see, especially for someone that wants to go into the field and so now i just want to give our audience a little glimpse of you know what writing looks like from another perspective from josh's perspective and as our listeners know i talk about applying to med school in my portfolio i include some of these essays um you know like my personal statement things like that and also some of my blog posts talk about the differences in writing for professionals in the field versus writing for a public audience who may not be as familiar with professionals Uh, than professionals would be. And this is something I really want to get into further with you. Can you give us a little more insight on that? What have you learned in the science comm track?
1: It's great that you bring this topic up. Science communication is heavily predicated on understanding your audience. It is a concept that has, drilled, that has been drilled into me and my classmates since I think the first time that we stepped into our writing minor class or in our case, our writing minor field. Our professor had us going on the field and it was really awesome. We can see that ramifications of improper science communication have a huge toll on society I think one big example that everybody talks about, and I know it's probably overplayed, but it's still really relevant, is COVID. I know that a decent portion of our population had no idea what a vaccine does, and you can see how this has affected our society to this day. Definitely. Delivering science in particular requires an innate understanding of your audience because you have such a wide range of experts and lay audience people. And for those of you... Who might not know a lay audience is just someone who is very casual or not not expert at all in, in what you are talking about the sci-com track has fostered a deeper relationship in my style of writing between the content I put out versus the audience that is that it is intended for and I think finding that balance is one of the most hardest things but also most crucial things to do as a writer because like I said if you're not delivering your material effectively to the right audience then you're not accomplishing your goal as a writer which is to effectively communicate in whatever medium that you are communicating in and i think you know my two professors doug bradley and uh dr bradley and dr Stansel, have done a great job in realizing and helping me realize how important this balance is
0: awesome thank you for that that was great insight um, i also want to share a couple of things that i've learned in my editing courses, and more specifically about writing in plain language. Um, Some things that we've learned are the benefits of using shorter sentences, keeping subjects and verbs close together so the reader uh, can follow along with the sentence, and writing in an active voice instead of a passive one. And for any listeners who aren't familiar with the difference between active versus passive voice, uh, just a quick example would be, A passive voice would be, you know, the house was painted by her. An active voice would be, she painted the house. So this also goes along with keeping the subjects of sentences as characters, as people, um, that we can see and imagine doing things, and that helps the audience stay engaged. And as editors, that's definitely something we look for and fix as well. Um, Can you talk about any exercises you've done in your classes that have helped you understand how to use plain language
1: yeah and I think plain language is one of those things that you get better with the more repetition that you have with plain language and I think that this is where my two professors Dr. Bradley and Dr. Stancil uh, really excelled they provided our class with numerous literary, literary and educational examples of how to use plain language to your advantage as a writer One example that comes to my mind of an exercise was that we analyzed different excerpts of writing to the same audience and voted as a class on which one sounded better, which one sounded more smooth in my mind. And I think that's a really good way of potentially editing a piece of paper and a piece of literature is by talking about it, by speaking what is written, because you can really pick up on some hindrances that you might not have thought when you just looked at it on the sheet of paper so i remember that we didn't so much determine that it was active versus passive writing versus the ones that we liked versus didn't like it was more of the flow of the conversation for a lay audience or you know like i said an audience that has no special or expert knowledge it is important to keep the flow of similar concepts together and not break up concurrent ideas for instance don't jump around if you're talking in my case if i'm talking about a surgery on like an Achilles tendon uh, and I'm talking about the foot in depth. I'm not going to all of a sudden jump to, you know, the spine or or something. You know, I know that's a very, uh, very kind of niche example, but I'm not going to, I'm going to stick with the foot and then move on to a different topic in orthopedics later.
0: That makes sense. I mean, you want to flesh out all of your ideas before you move on to the next thing.
1: Correct. And yeah, it's just... And then another thing that kind of gets mixed up is when people say, you know, writing for a lay audience, they're not experts, you you, you don't really want to dumb down your, what you're trying to say per se, you just want to explain it in a way that your audience is going to hear, right? Because maybe they can benefit from hearing the complete explanation, you just have to figure out a different way to deliver that information. And I think one of the ways that Dr. Bradley really helped our class in figuring out how to to deliver the information in a better way was to really learn about metaphors and analogies and different words that you can substitute for a, a jargon heavy sentence. For example, I remember I equated breaking a bone to snapping bands of pasta right (laughs) where your bone does have some give it's a little bit elastic but if you bend it or if you twist it too hard or too Mm -hmm. far it's going to snap and break right and so while i'm not dumbing down the concept of a fracture per se i'm just explaining it in a different way that helps my audience understand uh, better and i think that is what plain language is in essence
0: Awesome. That was really good insight. Thank you for that. Um, I also just want to bring up another wonderful podcast I found. Uh, it's called Right Medicine, uh, and the host is Dr. Alexandra Hauson. And she talks a lot about plain language in one of her episodes as well. And it's a fitting title. It's called Plain Language Patient Education. If there are any listeners out there who are interested in hearing more about this topic, and some of the main points I got from her um, podcast was that, you know, when talking to those in your field, it's totally okay to use jargon in medical terms, as Josh was saying earlier. And I think um, those things tend to get a bad rap in the field, but in reality, they are really important in certain situations when, when you do know your audience. But if you're addressing the general public, um, there's a couple of things to do instead um such as like including the most important information first uh readers tend to trail off um you know if they feel that information isn't as important so definitely include that in the first few paragraphs if you can and thing: stick to what is absolutely vital for a patient to know um so an example of this would be if a patient's getting surgery or something like that on a part of the body as josh was saying um a really important thing to include in an after patient summary or another piece of writing would be, um, you know, what the common side effects are after surgery rather than naming the body parts. A lot of patients don't really need all of that information. They need what's vital for them to understand and recover. Um, and then we also, a Dr. Hausan also talked about one more thing in a written setting. She said that including, you know, common words and subheadings in longer documents can be really a good option too.
1: Yeah, well, you know, and you you really hit the, the nail on the head or the hammer on the nail or whatever that, <laughs> that, that, that that metaphor is. I I think that Dr. Hausan makes a great point about being concise in your responses while addressing the general public. I don't know if you guys, you listeners have already heard, but I tend to ramble sometimes, especially when I'm excited about the topic. And it's a little bit of a paradox because in my mind, I think I'm using more words to help explain things better to my audience when in reality I could be repeating stuff that I've already said Mm -hmm. or I could have already confuse them just by speaking for too long, like losing their interest Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So in terms of talking, and I think talking is just an extension of writing and vice versa, you really have to be careful with rambling. And I think that you can ramble as a writer, even though rambling is more discussed as a speaking term. And I think one of the best ways to not ramble is, like what Dr. Hausan said, is to just have a lot of subheadings that break up what you're saying. So you know exactly what you're talking about and you know exactly how long you're spending on a particular subject. Mm -hmm. And I think it's much easier to realize, Oh wait, maybe I'm spending a little bit too much uh, time discussing one subject versus the other. When you do have subheadings that break down exactly what the little text underneath the subheading is about. So yeah, I think, you know, I I really agree with all of these uh, tips that she wrote about in her, or that she spoke about in her podcast, and yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, subheadings can be great because, I mean, one, they're great for the reader. They help draw the eyes in certain situations, and two, they help you as a writer. If you're having four or five paragraphs under one subheading, well, maybe it's time to create another subheading or, you know, cut out some words, so I definitely agree. Um, and just one last thing here, Josh, what um, assignments have you done in your science calm class uh, have you used any of these tricks in your classes?
1: Yeah, so like Dr. on, I decided to create my own podcast. And, and I also had a portfolio with my writing minor tracks. So we did the portfolio last quarter, and I'll start with that. And this portfolio was an assignment given by Dr. Bradley, and he was my teacher last quarter. And it encompassed nine assignments where I had to... Approach writing scientific material to a vast different number of audiences And I think one example that really stands out in my mind was I had to convey a scientific topic to a special needs Student and one of the ways that I did that was I thought about arthritis and arthritis is a complex topic Because it's it happens over time. It's the degeneration of cartilage and uh, the pain that results from that over time and and I think it could be conceptually difficult for a special needs student to think about. And so one of the ways that I was going to circumvent this was to give them something squishy, something that was moldable but not moldable enough where if they squish it too many times, it wouldn't go back to its normal state. So Mm -hmm. I just discussed, very briefly, I just discussed how you give them this little squish toy or ball or whatever, have them squish it a bunch of times and then see And then have them bring it back and you can explain how, see how it's a little bit different than a brand new one. And this is kind of how arthritis works. As you walk every single day, you're compressing your joints together. And over time, this can slowly start to wear and degenerate. Mm -hmm. So that was just, you know, one assignment from my portfolio out of nine. And most of my assignments are really like that one where you have to think critically about how Mm -hmm. you're going to deliver a scientific concept to a different audience. On the other hand, and this is what I'm working on right now, I'm working on a podcast titled, So You Want to Be an Orthopedic Surgeon, and this is my capstone project. And this podcast is intended for students, medical medical school students or undergrads who are interested in the field of orthopedics, like I am, and I want to give them a comprehensive view of what orthopedics entails. And that includes both the journey to become an orthopedic surgeon, like what I'm doing now, which is being a medical assistant, uh, learning all that I can about the field, stuff like that. So I'm interviewing medical assistants, I'm interviewing medical students who are interested in orthopedics, and I'm also interviewing a lot of orthopedic surgeons and asking them about surgery, about their daily life, what they like and what they don't like about their job, and stuff like that. So in each one of these examples, I'm using these tricks to help convey my point to my audience, like I've talked about and I think that it's, it's, like I said, speaking is an extension of writing and vice versa, and so I usually write all of my questions out for my podcast, and in my questions, I'm fine-tuning them, I'm removing words that I think are a little bit too challenging, but I'm also in, still including words that are not just super basic, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I understand that my audience for my podcast are people who are already interested in medicine, And so knowing that Mm -hmm. I tailor my questions as such. And so that's where a lot of my tips and tricks come into play. And then obviously when you're speaking, it's the way that you deliver what you're saying. It's the way that your voice sounds, it's your diction, it's how passionate you sound. And I think that, uh, that's also, you know, in, in speaking, it's a bit different than writing, but you can make your words talk on paper. And so they're, they're a little bit, it's a little bit similar even though i'm doing a podcast and not really a written document Mm. so yeah that's what i'm doing and i love it i'm really thankful Uh, i'm getting tangible documents that i can have for the rest of my life and i'm really excited about it and i'm really thankful to the writing minor and yeah so before i ramble on too much what i'm doing (laughs) right now I'll give it back to you, Maddie.
0: Awesome, Josh. Well, he's being a little too humble, honestly. He was telling me how he sent hundreds of emails out to all these doctors and to interview them. And he got so many responses back, an overwhelming amount of responses. So he's actually planning on doing it through his gap year. So that's really cool that to see something you know, so tangible come out of the writing minor for you. And that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's funny that... Uh, I should have expected it, but I'll, people like to, to talk about their, their career and, and, <laughs> and their journey so far, so I'm really excited with the reception that I've got so far, and I got a lot of great ideas that I'm working with, and my next step is to just continue along and get better in my podcast, get better as a host, get better with editing, get better with everything that can, uh, construes making a podcast, so that's my next step, if per, so, to say, so to speak.
0: Awesome. Well, I can't wait to give it a listen. And um, before we wrap up here, I just want to say I hope this has been a helpful podcast for our listeners. Um, You know, I really wanted to create sort of a mashup between the editing and science calm tracks and what we can take from both of those areas, because it doesn't seem like it, but there actually is a lot of overlap between those two tracks. And I think we've done exactly that here. So Thanks for, so much for being here with us, Josh, and tell the audience where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so my podcast is on Spotify, it's on Apple Music, and it's titled So You Want to Be an Orthopedic Surgeon. And I also have made an Instagram and I'm working on it. It's called The Ortho Podcast, all lowercase, normal spelling. And I just want to personally thank you, Maddie, for having me on. I think we had a great discussion today. And I'm so excited for these mashups. And I hope that there can be more assignments like this in the future for people in our tracks.
0: I definitely agree. Thanks so much again.
1: Thanks, Maddie.